Kendra used to, but now she's too busy with her cell phone or iPad, texting and tweeting and whatever it is teenage girls do. But Ethan is still young enough to like cracking the eggs and measuring the flour. At eight, Ethan is still young enough for Mari to relate to. Oh, she loves Kendra, her firstborn, her daughter. They do girly things like shop for shoes, paint their nails, hit the chick flicks in the theater while Ryan and Ethan stay home. Mari loves her daughter, sometimes with a fierceness that takes her breath away. But she doesn't really understand her. It's not that Kendra is unknowable. Even at 15, she still talks to her mom. Unlike her friends, whom Kendra has revealed barely speak to their parents unless it's to complain. Sure, there have been bumps along the way, temper tantrums, pouty faces, arguments about curfews or grades. Mari supposes this is normal, and is grateful it's never been worse. Kendra is knowable. She hasn't grown away from them, hasn't taken to painting her nails and lips and eyelids black, or disappearing into her room to burn incense and listen to music with bad lyrics. It's Mari who cannot quite seem to bridge the distance between the toddler with curly white blonde hair who liked to serve tea in plastic cups while wearing only a half-shredded pink tutu, and this tall, lanky, and gangly teenager with iron-straightened hair the color of sand. Kendra might still sleep with an array of stuffed animals at the foot of her bed, but she's already talking about college and moving to California to live on her own, about getting her driver's license and access to a credit card, about growing up and growing away. But Ethan, the boy who favors her, him, Mari still understands, because he is only eight, not yet nine, though that birthday will sneak up on her before she knows it, and then he, too, will start to grow away from her. But for now, she understands him, because Ethan, like all children under the age of ten, is still mostly wild. At the sink, Mari uses the sprayer to rinse the stainless steel clean. She turns off the water, dries her hands. She looks out the window, over the tips of basil, rosemary, and thyme she's growing in her container garden on the sill, out into the grass, which for the first time in as long as she can remember is getting too long. Ryan usually trims the grass so tight to the ground nothing living could ever possibly hide in it. In the spring, summer, and fall, he rides his mower every weekend, beer in hand. He might not be able to find the laundry basket, but the yard is somehow tied up in his manly pride. It's not like him to leave the yard untended. But over the past few months, he's been working long hours, coming home late. The weather has been rainy for the past three weekends, leaving him to sit inside on the couch, watching a series of whatever random programs he finds when he taps the keys of the remote. Now, the grass would tickle her shins if she were to walk outside into it. So she does. Barefooted, Steps stepping carefully from the wide wooden deck onto the slate patio, and finally, at last, into spring soft grass 
that bends beneath her toes and does indeed tickle her shins. Mari sighs. She closes her eyes. She tips her face to the late afternoon light and breathes in deep. She listens. A bird chirps softly. A dog barks, far off. She hears the murmur of voices, a television or radio from the neighbor's house on the other side of the yard. A passing car. The squeak of bicycle wheels. There is sometimes the rustle of squirrels in the trees, or rabbits hopping into the brush. But most of the wildlife in this neighborhood has been eradicated by family pets, loud children, or exterminators. These are the sounds of her life. She misses the sound of running water that had been the constant backdrop of her childhood.